Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Hey, welcome to the Wednesday night American Liberties call. And again tonight we have Dave Mer- Merlin. But before I turn it over to him and uh, so forth, um... I haven't had time to take a look at this, but it was very interesting if it's true. Somebody sent me an email about ISIS was, uh, or Islam was, uh, there was an act back in 1952 that prohibited them from coming into this country. And uh, because it was a, it was a, uh, it was deemed to con- to be considered that they wanted to overthrow the government. See, that was that was back when the government was concerned about being overthrown. Today, you know, they don't they don't really have that concern because it basically has been overthrown. But uh, there's still a little bit of spark of hope, and of course, with God, and and anything can happen. Uh, but uh, the uh, and of course there was some more research I wanted to do that I learned a couple of years ago how Thomas Jefferson fought the Muslims. In fact, that was one of the one of our wars. You know, our um, Congress. You know, Congress hasn't done many wars. You know, in uh, World War One, of course, and World War Two. But um, but there was a war back in in the 1800s that um, we sailed across the ocean blue uh, to go to fight, fight the Tripoli pirates. Trip, Tripoli pirates. Yeah, and uh, so you know this has been an ongoing thing, and um, and of course uh, you know God only knows what's going to happen. But I thought those were interesting topics. It's not the topic of this call, of course, but um, but those are things that I'm very well concerned about because we have a government, we have a corrupt government, and you know, and back in the fifties, if Obama tried to do what he was doing today, it wouldn't happen. He wouldn't even got to the first month, let alone you know two terms. And why people don't bring it out, except for, you know, a few of the people that I, I see on the list and the websites, and, and I don't know how credible they are in filing lawsuits and, you know, about treason and all this. I believe only Congress can bring treason. I don't know. and I, I'm not stating that as a fact, but. It has to go through Congress, I know, to impeach the president or the guy in that office. And um, and the things that are happening today, it is so obvious, beyond a shadow of the doubt, it is constructive treason. 
and and I've sent out that definition many times already about constructive treason, and and it, and anybody who is not going along with the Constitution but doing things that you know that are irrelevant to law, but doing what they're doing by the act is not according to the letter of the law, but by the mere act of what they're doing, putting things together can be considered constructive treason. And that's what he's doing. It's obvious. I mean, a, a, Stevie Wonder could see it. So, you know, with that being said, um, that's what we need to do with the uh, the agents, um, you know, constructive treason because they're violating they're violating the the fundamental principle of due process, the Constitution, because they don't want to talk about the Constitution, but they have to because they themselves bring up the Sixteenth Amendment, and they them and since they bring it up, it is a constitutional issue. And so with that being said, um, I'd like to turn this over to Dave. There's, there's it's going to be, like I said in my email, an informative uh, conversation and information. So, Dave, you ready? Yeah. Take it away. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Wednesday, June 22nd, 2016, American Liberties Call. My name is David Merlin. Nothing you'll hear me say is intended as legal advice. Anything that sounds like that to you, just consider it something somebody else might do on a planet far, far away where the law matters. It doesn't matter here. I prove it on a daily basis. Believe it. <clears throat> on the phone is the lead plaintiff in South Carolina. Yesterday, he placed into the mail the amended lawsuit with uh, a couple of stunts attached. I don't need you on the phone to describe the stunts, Richard, but what I'd like you to comment on is the uh, the experience of going on the offense, having listened to these calls for quite a while. Uh, you've acquired a bunch of my materials. You've read them. Uh, you see the foundation of the arguments. And uh, now you are the lead plaintiff following through in South Carolina on these uh, my particular analysis of the tax code going on the offense against the government, you see that they they can't really get to the issues. And uh, we had a discussion of uh, what it's like to go on the offense and how pleased he is with the quality of the uh, of the approach. You want to unmute South Carolina, Chris? Hey, Richard, uh, just go ahead and uh, why don't you give the folks on the call uh, a description of your mood the process, the quality of the uh, pleadings, and um, uh, how fun it is to be on the offense. Well, I, I mean, it's certainly more fun being on the offense than on the defense, and I was on the defense for quite a number of years. Uh, but, um, you know, it, it, it's an amazing thing, uh, the feeling you get when you drop those things in the mail and, you know, you're – you're doing something. You feel like, uh, you know, I've listened to these calls for a couple of years. I've got all your materials. I've read everything. I've watched your videos. And I've watched them and I've read again. 
Dave, you're cutting. I mean, Richard, you're cutting out quite a bit. All right, let me get off of this headset. Damn technology bites me in the ass every time. There you um, go. So Start over. I mean, it, yeah, it's great. I, I mean, being on the offense is certainly uh, a much better feeling than being on the defense, and that's where they like to get you. Uh, I figured that much out. As long as they got you on the defense, then they've got you. Um, when you go on the offense, it's a it's a little different story, and it's certainly a different feeling. Um, I've I, I've listened to these calls for you know for a couple of years now, and I feel like you know I'm not just listening. I'm I'm putting into action what we're talking about, learning about, studying about on all these calls, and um, it, it it's. It, my mood's great. It, it's a it's a wonderful thing to see them shuck and jive, and exactly the way that Dave described that they would. I, 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 it's amazing to me that they will go to such effort and such extremes to to avoid answering a couple of simple questions that could really. If they were right and we were wrong, could put this whole thing to bed right now, and I'd make some kind of arrangement to pay whatever they say I owe. I'm wrong. I'm sorry, but they won't do it. And I think, and I believe in my heart, they won't do it because we're right and they're wrong. And they, by God, will not. Uh, you know, they're not going to admit they're wrong. They're just not. Uh, as long as they can keep stealing from us the way they have. And the way they have been doing for years and years and years, they're addicted. It, it's uh, it's a drug to them, uh, power and money, and uh, you know to hell with the Constitution, to hell with you know the individual rights of people. Um, you know, it's a funny thing you talk about, you know, filing these lawsuits as, as an individual pro se person, and then you know you you plan on the other side of the coin. Uh, we've heard you know some stories about corporations filing lawsuits about similar issues and how much more um, respect the the corporate side of America gets when when they're fighting these arguments than than us as a, an individual as a U.S. citizen as an American uh, get and um, uh, I've certainly seen that firsthand and uh, you know this last thing here in South Carolina. I mean, I was involved in the South Dakota thing, and, you know, that went off as advertised here in South Carolina. That was a bit more personal for me, um, you know, a little more closer to home, a little, uh, you know, just just felt a little more personal. Um, it made me a, a little more angrier uh, when I got the decision from the judge and, and saw what she, what kind of just ridiculous rhetoric she based this decision on. Um, and people that are supposed to be learned in the law, you know, you've got to ask yourself, geez, uh, you know, how can how can this be? Um, I don't know, but you know, I, I just you know thank Dave and Chris for all their help and getting this thing moving forward. We're not, you know, we're not home yet, but we're certainly on well on our way, and um, you know, I look for good things to really come out of this, and uh, you know, I'm hopeful. And um, I just appreciate it.
Now, uh, Richard just mailed the paperwork yesterday to the court, but what went to the court was a copy of went went to Congress first. Richard filed with the House Judiciary Committee Chairman, Robert Goodlatte, a criminal complaint against the judge and the magistrate for conspiracy against rights, 18 U.S.C. 241, and for mail fraud, 18 U.S.C. 1341, because uh, the decision was ill-founded. If they examined the law like they have to when they consider the Anti-Injunction Act, then why can't we have their interpretation of the law? We can't have it. And they dismiss the lawsuit knowing that these issues are valid or they would have interpreted the law, just like Richard said, uh, if we were wrong, it'd be easy enough for them to tell us why. And they can't talk about Section 83. They can't talk about the nature of Social Security as a tax relevant only to the U.S. possessions. That's Chapters 2, 21, and 23. And so uh, presuming that they can't talk about these issues because we're correct, and in light of the fact that the lawsuit was dismissed, I thought it was appropriate to accuse them of criminal misconduct. So Richard filed that criminal complaint with Congress yesterday and put a copy of it with a certificate of service behind an affidavit of prejudice against the judge and the magistrate that did this because they're defendants in his criminal complaint to Congress and mailed that in with the amended complaint. And I'll just bet you that that judge and that magistrate have nothing to do with the amended complaint. I'll bet you they recuse themselves and another judge will take over the lawsuit, likely the chief judge of U.S. District Court in Columbia, South Carolina, and they're going to look at that criminal complaint and uh, they're going to say, I don't need a criminal complaint like this filed against me in Congress, and hopefully it's enough to convince them to hew more uh, closely to the letter of the law. So Richard actually complained He accused a U.S. District Judge, Mary G. Lewis, and a United States Magistrate Judge, Shiva H. Hodges, both women, of um, conspiracy against rights, maximum 10 years in prison, and mail fraud, maximum 20 years in prison, and filed that complaint with the House Judiciary Committee and put it into court to try to get the judge and the magistrate off the case so that the amended complaint goes to a different judge. And we're going to see what happens. Tune in next uh, Wednesday, and we'll be able probably to pass off to you the uh, PACER database court copy of the filing. And we'll see where it goes uh, after that. The the co-plaintiffs can go ahead and file an affidavit of signature I took everybody off the lawsuit except Richard, and uh, the co-plaintiffs can go ahead and file an affidavit of signature to join the lawsuit. And uh, it was just simpler this way. It was much more. Uh, it was much quicker than having to coordinate plaintiffs. But it'll be just as easy for them to uh, to sign on to this complaint. So, <clears throat> Richard. Now that you have filed a criminal complaint against a U.S. district judge and a U.S. magistrate judge, 
um, in addition to the amended complaint with an affidavit of prejudice, what do you think of that approach? <laughs> well, what can I say? Um, you know, time will tell. We'll uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I personally, I, I feel wonderful about it. Um, you know, can't wait to see what happens. I think it's the way okay. to go. One hundred percent. Yeah, you you signed it. You must truly believe they're guilty of those crimes. And uh, this this approach is used to destroy the appearance of fairness. It gives the magistrate and the judge the uh, a vested interest in a finding against the plaintiffs in the future, and so they have to uh, recuse themselves. And so you're going to get to see an affidavit of prejudice asking the court for a different judge because of the appearance of fairness having been lost and the criminal complaint that was filed with Congress. It's not a court pleading, and so they can't redact any of it. That complaint to Congress has to stay on the record as it's worded, and it's worded in a way where the court is not in the room. And Richard does some real, genuine complaining about the character of the judges. And they can't redact it. They have to leave it like it is because it's an exhibit, part of the public record that went to Congress. So uh, tough luck. That's going to be funny. And uh, by next Wednesday, we'll be able to hand you a copy of that. Uh, in closing, Richard, <clears throat> um, you've been listening to these calls for a couple of years. Uh, and... There hasn't been a lot of court action other than South Dakota, but do you have a sense that um, I'm I'm well prepared to follow through on the rhetoric that I spew on these calls? <laughs> yeah, I say so, Dave. Uh, you seem to, you know, you already had this one in the chamber. <laughs> you seem to kind of anticipate uh, where it was going. Of course, I told you ahead of time that. I mean, I know that originally we were just gonna, we were hoping for the opportunity to say, "Hey, we, you know, we sued you, and we won't even discuss these few uh, uh, debates on a few uh, statutes." But you know, I kind of told you, I said, "Well, I'm, 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 I'm in all the way, Dave. I'm, I'm looking at appeal and everything else all down the line." And I think you already had that bullet in the chamber because it sure didn't take you too long to uh, uh, to whip this new stuff out, and it's it's golden. Uh, I can't wait for everybody to see it. I mean, it's, it's absolutely a masterpiece, and um, it really it really does a job on them. Now, the next step is to ask the court for summons to serve on the defendant. And we'll see, you know, how this first order came out saying, hold it, hold everything, don't issue the summons, we're dismissing the suit for a lack of jurisdiction. In a few days, uh, we're going to know if they're going to try the same thing again. And if they don't, I would say go down to the courthouse and ask for summons uh, so you can serve copies of the lawsuit on the defendants. Uh, yeah, I got some blank copies of the summons last time I was there when I was there for the original one. So, uh, so I've got some copies of those. Well, they still have to be stamped by the clerk clerk of the court with the seal right. before you can serve them. Anyway, yep. uh, thanks, Richard. 
Thanks, Dave. And uh, it's a pleasure working with you, and I'm I'm glad you're pleased with the paperwork. And uh, in a week, we should be able to pass those on to everybody on the call. I'll put them on the web, and you can download them. So uh, I can't wait for everybody to see them. And this is a uh, greatly simplified um, lawsuit uh, as it relates to the South Dakota lawsuit filed a year ago. Uh, they just couldn't couldn't swallow that one, so I trimmed it down and made the issues re- very simple. And in this amended complaint, you know, the Anti-Injunction Act, 26 U.S.C., that's the tax code, Section 7421, says no suit shall be maintained for uh, the restraint of the collection or assessment of taxes. And so this lawsuit, this amended one, says, hey, don't restrain anything. Keep stealing from us. But I want you to declare that it violates due process for the government to keep the law a secret. It violates due process to take our money when the law is off limits. So uh, it's a very simplified, streamlined lawsuit. And uh, there's not a lot of places to run that I can imagine. Of course, they'll find a way, but uh, I think I've, I've sealed up the holes that they put in the first one or think they've put in the first one which is all that matters. They've got they've got the gun, so what they think goes. So uh, anyway, the amended lawsuit has been filed, and uh, we're going to sit around and wait to see what happens. Chris, have you read the amended lawsuit? No, not yet. I, 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 for the last couple of days, I've been out. They all say that. <laughs> so... Uh, Anyway, that's where that all sits, and um, I'm I'm really happy to be able to show the people that uh, come onto the call, uh, the new folks. You you might be hearing this for the first time. Uh, while I've got you here, remember if this isn't your cup of tea, there's entire archive here at eight seven four eight eight. This call is being recorded, so you'll be able to listen to it later. Um, the uh, Archive at 59615, 59615, that's my show, No Confidence. We're there on Saturdays at noon Pacific, 3 o'clock Eastern. Uh, You can catch us again then. If uh, you're going to leave the call early, remember, those archives are there, and you can download all those shows and listen to them whenever you want. So for the people that have listened to me on these calls for quite some time, You've heard me mention plenty of times, criminal complaint, it's what to do. Title 18, Section 4 requires you to report crimes. And when we give you these documents, you're going to see that, okay, the problem is we have a U.S. district judge and a magistrate that should not have dismissed the lawsuit. And they did anyway. Does it constitute criminal misconduct? I think it does. Richard thinks it does, and so he filed with the House Judiciary Committee a criminal complaint against the judge and the magistrate, and then filed it into the court under an affidavit of prejudice, saying neither one of those two should have anything to do with this lawsuit because I've complained to have them removed from the bench and uh, prosecuted. So give this amended lawsuit to a different judge, and you're going to be able to see how I dotted the I's and crossed the T's 
on the attempt to destroy the appearance of fairness to where it has to go to another judge. And I think it's going to work. It's a very potent challenge to the existing judge staying on the case. And uh, everything is in favor of getting another judge on the case. And uh, we'll see what they do. We're going to know in another week. But when you get the paperwork, you're going to see that uh, I'm prepared to go toe-to-toe with district court regarding these findings and my rights under the Void for Vagueness Doctrine, uh, my rights to access the law, uh, my website, wevgov.com. A lot of new callers on the call since I was put in the chat. Somebody want to put that in there again, please? wevgov.com. The federal income taxation page is what we're talking about. It has a couple of arguments uh, fully sketched uh, on the federal income taxation page. And you'll see uh, at the top of the page, Texas, or let me see, Texpen Oil Company versus uh, Commissioner. The taxpayers have a right to know the, the law and the facts substantiating the commissioner's determination, something real close to that. Hang on while I go there. No, I'm not embarrassed. For the amount that I can actually remember, I'm sure you'll be impressed. Um, here it is. Helvereen versus Texpen Oil Company. The taxpayers were entitled to know the basis of law and fact on which the commissioner sought to sustain the deficiencies. And then we have the Taxpayer Bill of Rights on the IRS's own website. Here it comes into the chat here. <clears throat> and the first thing it says is that taxpayers have the right to know what they need to do to comply with the laws. They are entitled to clear explanations of the laws and the IRS procedures and all tax forms, instructions, publications, notices, and correspondence. No, they don't. You can't have Section 83. They won't talk about it. Uh, you will, you will not get review of the IRS under Section 83, period. They won't talk. So all that flies right out the window, but I know my rights to access the law, and I know that when the tax is not imposed by clear language, the taxpayer wins. I know the void for vagueness doctrine, you can't be forced to speculate as to the meaning of penal statutes. I know the Supreme Court said in 2001 that uh, when the tax collector lays his finger on the citizen, he must also lay his finger on the law that allows it. I know all this. I've read all this. It's right there in Supreme Court case law. You can't have it because we found out the law protects you. In 1994, I wrote that manual on Section 83. I added 30 pages to it in 2014 to bring it up to date, and they can't talk about it. So for 23 years, They've refused to get into the language of Section 83 and its regulations. They just stand back and say, your labor's not a cost because you didn't buy your labor before you sold it. Well, how does that jibe with the language of 1.83-3G that says the amount paid is the value of any money or property paid? Any means all of it. And you'll see approximately seven tons of case law on my federal income taxation page that agrees with me. The word any is all-inclusive, period. 
everybody agrees, right up in circuit case law, the right to 2015. And so now they have nothing to say about the argument because the only direction out of the argument in the 90s was that you didn't buy your labor before you sold it. But they didn't cite a law that allows them to make an exception to the term any property. And they have to have a law that allows them to make the exception. Checkmate. Because now I've got all those cases on the term any property. Uh, I got an email from a very nice guy, and uh, in there was a link to a web page put up by the Family Guardian, Chris Hansen, in uh, Montreal, or uh, he's up in Canada, and he plagiarized my Section 83 briefing. Didn't give me credit for it. And uh, the reason I mention this is because that's what you get with the anti-tax movement. They'll stand back and they'll throw a bunch of stones at me saying, I don't know what I'm talking about, but my arguments are good enough to plagiarize. That's the anti-tax movement. They're a pack of thieves. And Richard will tell you firsthand, because now he knows, he's seen it, uh, go into court, that uh, none of them can hold a candle to me. I'm not here to brag. I'm here to tell you, you're in trouble if you're following any of those people. You're following a pack of thieves and morons. <clears throat> so argument's so strong, the government can't talk about it, and the family guardian has plagiarized it. That's how good my stuff is. So go to the products page at wevgov.com and get Codebreaker, the Section 83 equation, the manual about tax code Section 83. Get the flash drive with the videos, seven video segments, three hours, 45 minutes of instruction, at a whiteboard here in 2003, I was teaching my treatise, uh, The Differences Between the Tax Code and the IRS, to a small group of students here. And uh, I can't teach those seminars as well as I taught them then, and so they won't be reshot. But it's a small, uh, intimate, semi-informal classroom setting. And uh, you won't believe what I can do with the tax code against the government. There's so many modes of misenforcement, you won't believe it. The law is perfect. Now, um, this public law on immigration that uh, I put it in the chat earlier, for those of you that are only on the phone, get ready to write. It's a law prohibiting um, people that are described, uh, a description of a certain class of people that are clearly um, Islamic immigrants clearly fit into that class. And we're talking about Public Law 414, Public Law 414, House Resolution or HR 5678, Public Law 414. H.R. 5678, June 27, 1953, excuse me, 1952. And when you get that PDF version off the web, it's 120 pages long. You go to page 21 at section 212 and begin reading. That's Public Law 414, H.R. 5678, June 27, 1952. Page 21 
at section 212. <clears throat> and here I go. I'm going to fast forward to that page. And uh, let's see. Almost there. Section 212 starts on page 20. And it says, except as otherwise provided in this act, the following classes of aliens shall be ineligible to receive visas and shall be excluded from admission into the United States. Number one, aliens who are feeble-minded. What that says to me is you can't admit them into the United States if they're feeble-minded. Feeble-minded like... Uh, they think women should be raped because they don't cover themselves from head to toe. That's pretty feeble. Uh, aliens who are insane, same thing. Uh, aliens who have had one or more attacks of insanity. Aliens afflicted with psychopathic personality, epilepsy, or a mental defect. So far, we're basically batting a 1,000 on the, uh, the uh, Syrian immigrants. Let's see. Um, this document is certified by the government, and so you can't make any amendments to it. You can't uh, uh, highlight or make bookmarks. Number eight, aliens who are paupers, professional beggars, or vagrants. Aliens who have been convicted of a crime involve, involving moral turpitude. Let's see. Aliens who are polygamists or who practice polygamy or advocate the practice of polygamy. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Number 13, aliens coming to the United States to engage in any immoral sexual act. Um uh, you can track this public law down and read it uh, at your leisure, beginning on page 220 at section 212. And uh, you're going to say, if this is still in effect, uh, what the hell is the president doing? Because there's a law against it. He wants to bring in a million Islamic migrants before the end of his term. A million. Then you hearken back to his comment before he was elected, when he was tra uh, campaigning. He said that uh, he'd like to see a federal civilian police force as well armed as the military. That's what he's importing right now. He's going to tell those immigrants, oh, you don't have a job? Here, put this uniform on. Here's your rifle. Here's your armored personnel carrier. Go out and collect all the guns you can find. And they'll arrive at your house and rape your wife and children and get all your guns, take the spoils, whatever you've got, your VCR, your DVDs, your jewelry, whatever they find there, and there will be nobody to hold them accountable. That's what the president's doing with this immigration stunt. He's bringing in an army of his own. And... Uh, when martial law is declared for whatever reason, probably before the election, uh, there's a whole bunch of people that are going to be all dressed up in military garb, and they're going to go on the uh, on the offensive here in the name 
of our president. So uh, <clears throat> that's my have a good day wish. Yeah. So uh, watch closely and uh, get behind Republicans. We've seen that uh, because in the White House, there's a Democrat that's going to veto any progress. Uh, you have to have a veto override in Congress, which means 60 senators and a, a supermajority in the House of Representatives. The Republicans don't have that, and so they're still handcuffed. The House and Senate were Democratic, and so was the White House from 2008 to 2012, 2014. And they didn't pass gun control when they had everything in their favor. And now they're complaining that the House of Rep- or that the Republicans are standing in the way of it. Well, Harry Reid blocked 356 House bills from being heard on the Senate floor for debate. 356 bills. He basically took away our House of Representatives for as long as the Senate had the majority of uh, the Democrats had the Senate majority. And so for as long as there's a Democrat in the White House, the Republicans still can't muster enough votes to pass what they want to pass. But if we get a Republican White House, and if the Senate and the House stay Republican, you watch. There's going to, the floodgate, floodgates are going to open. There's going to be a steady stream of laws going through the White House. And it's not going to be about gun control. It's going to be about the the wall at the Mexican border. It's going to be about a temporary ban on Islamic immigration and a bunch of other really neat stuff. But they can't have it until the Republicans have a majority and the White House. So vote Republican. Um, You need more bills. Trust me. There's a lot of really good laws to be written. And... uh, it's what we don't need is democratic bills. Those have been the problem. So anyway, um, not a whole lot more to tell you on this call. Um, Chris and I are putting the finishing touches on the cover design because hmm. everything else is done on my book of citizens and uh, citizens initiatives. Uh, over a hundred and probably a hundred and ten uh, laws that I'd like to see on the books as well as, I don't know, there's probably 12 to 15 uh, proposed constitutional amendments in case they have a constitutional convention. And the book book is only going to be about $24.95. And uh, it's called No Confidence, Civil Liberties versus Homeland Security. And it's a book full of initiatives and uh, commentary about why it might be a good idea to have a law such as the ones I've written on the books. Uh, You can take or leave the ones I wrote if you want to write your own. At least you see how I've gone about writing more than 100 of them and uh, write your own. Try to get them on the ballot. And um, uh, it's a start. If we can't get it out of our lawmakers, state and fed, There's always the initiative process. And for a rundown on the initiative uh, process, go to ballot.org, ballot.org, 
and uh, you'll learn a whole lot more about the um, about the initiative process and what's available on a state-to-state -state basis. So anyway, no confidence. Civil liberties versus homeland security is going to be out uh, by the beginning of next week at the very latest. We've already got the ISBN number on it and the uh, the final PDF version of the book is done. It came out at 187 pages. And um, we're just working on the cover photograph now. And I've already written the text for the front and back covers. So uh, we're right on the cusp of releasing that. And, uh, you know, seeing over 100 laws that I've written, it's going to fill your head with ideas, number one. But number two, it's going to fill in a couple blanks. You know, all this time, I'm talking basically defense, working with the laws that already exist. When you see a law that solves a problem, it's going to give you backfill to support uh, a lot of what I've already said that you might not be able to really feel or grasp. You're going to see how I would solve a problem. So it's not complaining about violations of the law. It's actually laws that are written to solve the problem because the government won't adhere to the law. Like, like the random DUI checkpoint where everybody gets pulled over. I wrote a law against it, but I tell you why first. And I quote Matthew St. John versus Macaulay, a uh, U.S. District Court case out of uh, New Mexico where the Alamogordo Police Department was sued for taking a man out of a theater by the arm because he was wearing a pistol. And the court said, that's not a crime. You have to have suspicion that a crime is being committed before you can interrupt the citizen. Well, what's your probable cause to pull me over for a DUI safety check where you're pulling everybody over? So, no, you can't pull me over that way. I wrote a law against it. Uh, there's a question in the chat. What's the title again? The title is No Confidence, Civil Liberties versus Homeland Security. Yuck, yuck, yuck. So uh, here, here's yet another angle at the law you're going to see me explore at length. Most of this book was written in 2003. So a lot of it is... Uh, uh, reflection on current events that's 13 years old. But I added probably 10 or 12 different statutes and a bunch of constitutional amendments uh, in the last probably six months. So some of it is very, very current. Also, there's a constitutional amendment that prohibits Islam as a seditious military doctrine, not as a religion. Uh, let me see. Uh, hey, Chris, you want to dribble the ball for a couple seconds? I'm going to uh, track down this case for the um, question in the chat there. All right. The, um, yeah, why, why he's doing that, I, uh, I found a document that uh, the PDF of his law that I can copy uh, certain text into a text um, page, 
and then reformat it and everything. So I'm going to get the pertinent parts and go ahead and place it on Facebook and Twitter. And, and well, I don't know about Twitter. I don't do do that too much. Um, but uh, I'll send it out in the email as well. It looks pretty good. There's some good stuff here. Um, especially when it says, um, I'm not reading it for word for word, but I did say something about overthrowing the government, you know, with violence and so forth. And um, aliens who write or publish or cause to be written, published, or who knowingly circulates, distributes, print, or display, or knowingly cause to be circulated, just uh, distribute, printed, published, or displayed. Am I reading that twice? Um, yep. Yeah. Um, on, uh, anyhow, the over yeah circulation, published, distribution, or display any any written, printed matter advocating or teaching opposition to all organized government or advocating or teaching to overthrow by force, violence, or other unconstitutional means the government of the United States or of all forms of law. I mean, there you go, folks. I mean, it's right there in in the law. All we got to do is find it and start asking our congressmen Start writing letters and emails and let everybody know, you know, who's who's in charge here? We are. And who's our servants? They are. So we got to start acting like it and doing it on a local business. Like like I've said many times before, local level, as I've said many times before, you know, start with your county commissioners, your sheriff, your your police chief, um, you know, there's, we got to start from ground up and, and start uh, in having them enforce the laws that protect us. So it's, it's, it's all written right there. And uh, Okay, are you ready, Dave? Almost here. Okay. Um, go ahead, Chris. Another minute. All right. And... Um, so it it, uh, it goes on to say that um, or all forms of law or the duty necessity or proprietary of the unlawful assaulting or killing of any officer or off officer or officers either or specific individuals of officers generally of the government of the United States or any other organized government because of his or their official character. And, you know, and, and they, you know, they several times now have, have, um, have ambushed cops, <laughs> walked up to a car right, right in the middle of the street and shot him three times. And the cop lived wrong enough to chase, to chase his butt down, too. So I mean, it's just the uh, man. We got to do it, you know. And and not only the you know Islam and you know and and the illegal immigrants such as Mexicans or or any other Im- illegal immigrant, but 
you know, we could do the same language also applies to IRS agents. Are they not trying to overthrow the government by trying to enforce their interpretation of the law, which does not meet the congressional interpretation? You can't really even list all the laws the IRS breaks. Um, Now, uh, I've got that case about false arrest loaded onto the web. If you're just on the phone and not on the computer, you can't see the link, get ready to write. Uh, This is a case of St. John versus Macaulay in the Alamogordo Police Department, New Mexico, where district court said, uh, uh, yeah, summary judgment against the cop for uh, unreasonable seizure. He had no business requiring that guy to leave the theater because there was no crime being committed. All he was doing was wearing a pistol on his hip, and uh, the cop lost. So, uh, a great civil rights case. HTTP full colon double slash. HTTP full colon double slash. Take from Caesar. C A E S A R. Take from Caesar dot US slash files. F I L E S slash false arrest case dot PDF. This is all lowercase, no spaces. HTTP full colon double slash take from Caesar dot US slash files F I L E S slash false arrest case dot PDF. And there's the summary judgment for the the guy that was hauled out of the theater by the Alamogordo Police Department. He sued for unreasonable seizure and he won against the cop and they found that the cop had no immunity because uh, the right against unreasonable seizure was a clearly established right. Things you got to know. And so I took that case and reasoned, how can it be legal then for them to perform a random drunk driving checkpoint where everybody gets pulled over? Well, we're just checking safety, ma'am. Let me see your license and registration. What's that got to do with safety? Nothing. So all it is is a fishing expedition to get uh, people for driving without a license, driving without insurance, all that other stuff. It was just an easy way to ticket everybody that's in violation, but they do so by first circumventing your Fourth Amendment right against, um, uh, against unreasonable seizure. Donaldson put in the chat that uh, he got the case off of, uh, looks like, uh, Google.com. So, um, whatever that link was, I have no idea what that link says. So anyway, uh, things you got to know. The book is done. We're just working on the cover. And so I'm going to have a new publication that everybody ought to have because uh, we've seen how you can't count on the state legislatures. You can't count on Congress, but you do have the ability to get an initiative of your own on the ballot. And it requires a signature drive. It requires sponsors, uh, donors, and a, uh, a staff to help you bring it to fruition. So it's no small task, 
going to have to have, you know, a couple hundred thousand signatures probably if you're in a big state. But it's doable. And if it strikes at the core of something that a lot of people have a concern about, then uh, you just might see some uh, support come from somewhere in some other state. You might find people in another state that are already doing this, and they might be able to uh, uh, join your effort, support your effort, or uh, use their um, the people that they have doing social media or web design, whatever it takes to get this uh, up and running. And you're going to look right at that book and see over 100 ideas I had for uh, softening enforcement and for pun uh, punishing government misconduct. So I'm excited. We're going to have another publication for sale uh, next, um, next week. <laughs> Okay, Chris, question and answer, and uh, quick departure. Okay. Um, is there anybody that have any questions or um, statements or comments? You know, raise your hand by hitting star eight um, or type it into the chat. And, uh, okay. Um, No. Oh, wait, here, here we go. North and Central Orange. Go ahead. Hey, guys. Uh, this is uh, Rick in Orange County. Uh, I have a quick question. Uh, number one, uh, Dave, um, the, uh, this isn't necessarily related to tax, but it has more to do with the, the lawsuit that you just filed that you talked about earlier. And I was wondering if that same principle of violation of rights could be used in a in a different type of case. For example, um, I'm dealing with a foreclosure issue, and I went to court here in Orange County, California, and they've got some kind of a judge rule now where you file the paperwork and pay for everything up front, but before they'll stamp and allow you to go forward, they require you to go before the judge, and then the judge determines after you've paid everything and, and whether or not they're even going to allow you to, to get the BK. And I objected and said that's a violation of my right to, to protect myself from an alleged creditor who claims they have a, you know, uh, a claim against this property. And, you know, she just overread it and didn't care and just led me to the riot act and then banned me from the BK court for six months from, uh, from ever filing the BK for six months. So my question is, this is kind of a more broad question, but can I use the similar thinking that you used on the tax matter to go after the judge for violating a right to, to, to file a BK for protection of creditors? Um, you have to go to the criminal code and try to find a statute that you feel the judge violated uh, because alleging a criminal act on the part of the judge is always the best the, the biggest stick you can swing and uh, you know they control the courts and they right. are as corrupt as the day is long it's every judge so I'm not telling you that I have an answer but what I would do first is find a criminal statute that I feel they violated uh, the first one that comes to mind is perjury of oath 
18 U.S.C. Section 1621. Go to wevgov.com and go to the Federal Criminal Statutes page. Mm-hmm. And, and scroll down to perjury generally. And if you think they violated your constitutional rights, it kind of makes their oath of office perjury, doesn't it? Okay. And All so right, I would file a criminal. So I'd file a criminal complaint against them with the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, Robert Goodlatte, for a violation of 18 U.S.C. 1621, perjury, and then file that into the court and ask for a different judge. Mm -hmm. And what you might also do is sue U.S. District Court as one of the defendants and ask for a declaratory judgment that that rule violates your rights to redress. Right. Yeah, it's the only court in uh, San Diego County doesn't do it. L.A. County doesn't force you to do that. Only Orange County. Is, and I uh, found and so out that... Maybe, you know. Yeah, maybe an equal protection argument also. Others can do it mm-hmm. and I can't. Right. Okay. All right, that was the main thing. Uh, I forgot what the other question was, but uh, that's good. I appreciate it. You're certainly welcome. Thank you. Okay, any other uh, comments, statements, questions? Uh, okay, I don't see anything on the board. Um, Dave, the, um, are we going to be issuing the, the affidavits for those who want to uh, send them in? Uh, yeah, you got to wait till you see the... Uh, uh, thank you, Jay Bud. Uh, you got to wait and see what the court does with this one. If they don't issue the order saying don't serve the summons yet, we're going to dismiss the case like they did with the first one, uh, then we'll go ahead and serve the summons. It won't be appropriate to discuss the affidavit of signature or the joiners until after we know the court's going to let the thing proceed. Good. I, I just wanted to make clarify that. Okay, very good. Well, thanks, everybody, for coming uh, on the Wednesday night call here. Again, um, you know, if you want to help us help you to help others, you know, we need the the greatest tool there is, the way that we can exchange property for property. We need, you know, and money is the best property in order to uh, exchange uh, for something we need. And and we all need we all need stuff. What stuff you need may not be the stuff that I need, but we still need the stuff. <laughs> so anyhow, thanks for coming on the call. God bless America, and this call is officially over. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.